glorious life of Christ my Redeemer, which he so richly shareth with me. What a wonderful thing it is that Christ is alive and that we are alive in him. Thank you for being here tonight again to remember uh, who we are and to honor this Savior who has loved us and died for us so that we might live again. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to a familiar text, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, where the Hebrew writer is warning these Christians about drifting. He says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Some translations say, lest we let them slip. The world is a sea of carnality, of self-interest, of paganism and false religion. And if we allow ourselves to drift, we will drift down to its level. The Mississippi River begins in the state of Minnesota and runs all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. It doesn't even run south to begin with. It runs north and then it runs south. But then it comes all the way down the middle of our country to the Gulf of Mexico. Just as surely as anything in that river is going to drift down to the Gulf of Mexico, we're going to drift down to the level of the world if we let ourselves drift. If we just go along with the flow of the world, of denominational religions, of human traditions, of the pagan society that we live in, we're going to wind up eventually right where they are. And so this warning about drifting really needs to be taken to heart. If you've lived a little while, maybe 65 years like I have, or more or less, you might have noticed that we're drifting. There was a brother who was famous for saying that, brethren, we're drifting. And it's a great warning, because we are. And we need to be aware of how we're drifting so that we might go back upstream, if you will. When we're drifting down to the level of the world, We do much what those in biblical times did, uh, off and on and frequently. In the Old Testament, of course, the Israelites drifted. In Romans 15 and verse 4, we learn that whatever things are written aforetime were written for our learning. And one of the things we can learn from scriptures is this problem of drifting away from God, which you see, again, so prevalently in the history of Israel. But I invite you to turn to Judges chapter 3, and we'll just notice an instance of this as if we needed uh, a lot of instances of it. We don't because they're well-known reality. But they're settling the land in the book of Judges. These are the nations which the Lord left, left in the land. These are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formally known it. So here we have some nations being left in the land. There were several reasons for that. One of the reasons is given here, so that the children of Israel would learn about what it means to fight. Verse 3, namely, and here are the ones that were left, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites, that dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from, from, uh, from Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that they might test Israel by them to know 
that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So now we have a second reason these people were left, right? God's going to test his people and figure out whether they're going to obey him or not. Thus, the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to be their sons, and they served their gods. And that's what happened. And in verse 7 it says, So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, and they served the Baals and the Asherahs. May I say to you that that did not happen overnight. But it happened. How long does it take for something like that to happen? A generation? Two generations? Three generations? Those of us, again, who've lived a little while have seen a lot of drifting in our culture. I've seen a culture that uh, was largely a Bible-reading, church-going culture turn away from that to be a non-Bible reading, non-church-going culture. We've seen things that people used to go to jail for now being elevated and celebrated in the highest level of our land. And so it goes in just a very few short years. We've certainly drifted morally in our culture. And we've drifted other ways as well as a people. And sometimes as the people of God, I fear. You see a similar thing in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13, where this was 900 or so years later from the time we just read about in the Judges. In the times of Nehemiah, you'd gone past the time of captivity. Nehemiah has come back with others. They built the wall around Jerusalem. And he says, Nehemiah 13 and verse 23, In those days I saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. You might notice that that was also the problem back in Judges. That God's people, Israel, Hobnob, had fellowship with, got close to the nations round about them, the culture that surrounded them, and so that culture caused them to drift. You have the same thing hundreds of years later in Nehemiah's time. Half of their children, Nehemiah says, Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So these people had drifted so far away from their origins they couldn't even speak their own language anymore. They spoke the language of the surrounding culture. Keep that in your mind for a bit. We're going to talk about speaking the language of our surrounding culture momentarily. Are we drifting down to the level of the world? That's what I want us to examine tonight. To think about ourselves. And if so, to put the brakes on and start paddling back upstream, so to speak, and going back to the old paths. A number of years ago, I was impressed by an approach that uh, Brother Ed Harrell took to this concept of drifting. And I've shared this over the years uh, a few times. Uh, I didn't necessarily agree with everything Brother Harrell said or wrote, but I thought this was particularly insightful and helpful to me. 
and I hope it'll be helpful to you as well. It's scriptural, for sure. How is it that you have the Lord's people drift down to the level of the world when it comes to religion? How does that happen? Well, the drift follows this flow. Whether you're talking about spiritual drift or societal drift or whatever it might be, I think there's a flow to it, and Brother Harold pretty well identified it. First, you start out and you're right, okay? You're, you're where you ought to be. You haven't drifted yet. And so at that point, there's a spoken understanding of the truth, of what you believe in. You know what you believe in, you know what is true, and you talk about it. You tell others about it. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believed and therefore we speak. We have a common faith. There's one faith, Paul says, and we speak the one faith. We believe and so we talk about that one faith. This common faith that we hold. In Psalm 119 and verse 46, the psalmist says, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and I will not be ashamed. We're just going to talk. It doesn't matter who. We'll tell the truth to anybody and we'll talk about what's right because we know what's right, we understand what's right, and we're going to speak what's right in every context. That's where we start. But then we go along a little ways and we drift a little bit and we get to a point where you understand the truth and you know the truth and you believe the truth, but you don't talk about it anymore. So there's an unspoken understanding of what's true. That's where the drifting begins. And maybe it's unspoken because, well, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, right? Maybe it's unspoken because, well, if I say that, I'm going to be unpopular. So I just won't say anything. But you still know the truth. But you've begun to drift. In Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 8, God famously tells Ezekiel to be a watchman. And he says, when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked man from his way, the wicked man will die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. If you know the truth and don't speak the truth, God holds you guilty of the, of, of the blood of those who could learn the truth from you, but don't because you refuse to speak it. We never need to stop speaking the truth. When we stop speaking the truth of God's Word, we drift. We are drifting. But then we go a little bit further. We drift down the Mississippi River a little further. And we uh, come to a point where you have an unspoken misunderstanding. We haven't been teaching the truth enough. We haven't been talking about the truth enough. So people don't know the truth anymore. A generation comes along that never heard that. That doesn't know about those principles. They don't talk about it either. They don't understand it, but they don't talk about it. And so you have this level of unspoken misunderstanding. Psalm 58 and verse 1. Do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? That's a rhetorical question. No, they weren't talking about what's right. They were being silent about what's right. Because they didn't understand what's right. Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No, they don't have righteous judgment. They don't know what's right. And so, of course, they don't talk about what's right. And then we come down to this level of spoken misunderstanding. So now we don't, want, don't know what's right, but we're going to assert it. We're going to talk about stuff that isn't right. We don't understand the truth, 
We haven't been trained in the truth. We've forgotten the truth. We've drifted away from it. But now we're going to vociferously stand for untruth. And try to shove it down other people's throats. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. The Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. They don't know the truth. All they know is untruth. All they know is lies. But they speak it. What's done? What have they done? They've departed from the faith. They've drifted down. Until now, they're at this point, they don't even know what the truth is. And so they stand for lies. For that which is not true. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, earlier on, Paul had said in verse 5, to Timothy about his work as an evangelist, he says, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith from which some have strayed. Can we say they've drifted? (laughs) Some have strayed from those things, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. We've got a whole world of people who don't know what they're talking about, but are happy to talk about. In the spiritual realm, when it comes to morals in society, when it comes to right and wrong, in all aspects of life, our information age, the digital age, and social media, you would think would bring humanity to some common understanding of the truth, but instead, everybody feels they have a voice to say whatever they want to say, whether it's true or not. And it's just added and added and added to the confusion. So let me ask you a question. How is it that a church that has on its building the sign Church of Christ. Just down the road from here had a big sign out in front the other day inviting everyone to celebrate Easter with them. How does that happen? At one time, everyone who knew the truth of the Bible would easily say that Easter as a religious celebration of the resurrection of Christ is not authorized in Scripture. There was a time when not only people in churches of Christ, but lots of folks knew that. It's not authorized in Scripture. It's a complete invention of a false religion. Barring a lot of elements out of paganism to celebrate the resurrection of Christ as a religious holiday on this day. And most of the places around do that. I'm aware of that. But how did, how did they get there? And how especially did people who once would have said, no, you know what, that's, that's not, that's not uh, in the Bible. And so we're just not going to do that. It's not in the Bible. That's not the truth of how God wants us to do things. How did we go from there to, y'all come and celebrate with us. We're doing Easter in church as a religious holiday. What has happened is some have drifted. 
if we start looking at the things we now allow that we used to not allow, how many times will we find that we have just drifted away from the truth? We haven't, we haven't made an argument that proved that what was believed in former times was wrong. We've just drifted away from it. What aspects of life can we think about? What about our language? The language we speak and the language we tolerate. I can remember when as a culture, you know, curse words were not accepted in any polite society whatsoever. Certainly not in public discourse. And now it's all over the place, right? Any, any politician, public figure, whoever, say any word in, in the book. Publicly. But among Christians, words that would not have been said, respect for God's name that would have been honored, and not too long ago, it was just lost among many Christians. What about in, in the entertainment industry? Or the entertainment that Christians allow themselves to be entertained by? Have we drifted there? Should we have? What about the way we dress? There's a great article in the bulletin. If you haven't read that article in the bulletin today, you, get, you need to get your bulletin to read that article by Bill Hall. One of the finest articles I ever read on modest dress. But we've drifted. We've drifted. As people, as God's people. I know the world has. But we you know, dress in ways that we used to not allow. Now, some of that just may be cultural and not of significance. It may not be a matter of right and wrong. Some of it may be. And I believe is. We certainly drifted. I know that. Where are we going with all this drifting? Well, we're going down to Ashdod is where we're going. City of the Philistines. The pagans that surround us. How does that drift occur? Well, we want to walk the wide road. We want to be accepted by everybody. And be looked upon as not strange individually and collectively. Jesus said, of course, in Matthew 7 and verse 13, that we're to enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. The road that leads to life is not a wide road. But we want acceptance. And the desire to be accepted by others is, is a strong desire. At every stage of life, frankly. We talk about peer pressure for young people. Conformity to what's going on around them. But it happens to all of us. Sometimes unconsciously. In John chapter 12, the Apostle John, in writing his Gospel, talks about Jewish leaders who believed in Jesus. But he says, 
they wouldn't confess Him because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So here's a truth that they knew who Jesus was, but they're not going to admit that because they want to go along to get along. They want to be accepted by others. Sometimes we justify not speaking up about the truth because we don't want to hurt feelings or offend others. And, and, and there's a point to be made there. I don't want to hurt feelings unnecessarily or offend people unnecessarily either. But a lot that Jesus said offended people. You're aware of that, right? He said a lot of things that offended people. They're all the truth that people needed to hear. And nowadays we hear a lot, well, I, I don't want to say anything about that because I might offend somebody. I might hurt somebody's feelings. Is that really what our concern is? Maybe. Or maybe it's, I want them to like me. I want them to like me so I'm not going to say anything. There was a, this past week, and I noticed several of these kinds of things over the last couple of years especially. When we come to a religious holiday like Easter or Christmas that the world celebrates, and there'll be things posted on social media that, well, we don't want to make a big deal about how that's actually not in the Bible because we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's the only time of year they might come to church, and so we don't want to you know, browbeat them about that on those days. Um, and so we're just going to not say anything about that and just put our arms around them and let them know that they're loved. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19 that as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I'm not going to let somebody continue in a pagan, traditional, false religion with a false religious idea and say that I love them. We have drifted on that simple point. I do love all of our visitors, whoever may be here today, because it's Easter. I appreciate the fact that you've come, if that's why you've come. But I would like to, while you're here, let you know that there's more to following Jesus than that, and that that is not following Jesus. That's not the religion that He left us with. That's not what He asked us to do. Jesus did not come to make peace with everyone or to make everyone have peace with each other. Jesus understood that standing for a principle of truth was going to separate His disciples from others. He said, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Matthew 10 and verse 34. Luke 12 and verse 51, He said, do you suppose that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather divisions. From now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And so there's a lot of division that the truth causes. 
because it's the truth and people won't accept it. How do we get down to Ashdod? Well, we want to walk the wide road of acceptance. And then we fail to inspect fruit as we ought to. Go back with me now to Matthew 7. We noticed verses 13 and 14 a little while ago. Enter by the narrow gate. Following up with that, immediately in that context, in Matthew 7 and verse 15, listen to this. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Jesus is begging us to be fruit inspectors. There are those that come as wolves in sheep clothing, sheep's clothing, that look innocent and harmless, but that say things that will lead people completely away from the Lord. He goes on in the context, he says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but who does the will of my Father who is in heaven? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You don't have a law for that. It's against the law of God. God hasn't authorized that. You keep on doing it. You keep on, you keep on teaching it. And you're not going to be in the end where you want to be. In fellowship with God. You will have drifted away from Him. Just as... Israelites did long ago. They wound up at a place where they were doing nothing but lawlessness. God hadn't asked them to do the things they were doing. They were often doing the opposite of the things He had asked them to do. And it was all a matter of drifting down. Not paying attention to what was being taught. Not paying attention to the subtle changes that were being made from pulpits and in churches. Sometimes subtle changes are fine. Sometimes they're the first few feet of drifting down to the Gulf of Mexico. And then we fraternize with the foes of truth. Paul warns us in Ephesians 5 and verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's, that's our duty as Christians. He tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share or partake in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Don't, don't go along with stuff just to, to get along. Don't pretend like everything's okay that somebody's doing, saying, and practicing just because you don't want to lose a friend. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine has the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house. Don't buddy-buddy with that person that's teaching error, that's leading people astray from the truth, that's beginning the drift or ending the drift or wherever they are in that process. And ultimately what winds up is we speak another language and we practice a different religion. We've already looked at Nehemiah 13. 
Half of the children spoke the language of Ashdod, could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. Let me read the next verse. Verse 25 of Nehemiah 13. So I contended with them, Nehemiah says, and I cursed them, and I struck some of them, and pulled out their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. You know what I think? I think Nehemiah was kind of against drifting. And he is going to pull people back, if he had to, kicking and screaming, <laughs> to, where, to where they're supposed to be. I, I admire Nehemiah. I, I know in our cultural context today and the way we look at societal norms, the things Nehemiah did would not be accepted today, right? But I admire him. I wish I were more like him, actually. We can't do that. We can't do that. We're going to have to stop doing that. We're going to have to stop saying that. We're going to have to stop pretending that that's okay when it's not okay. And bringing people back to the reality of truth. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 6, wisdom speaks, and let us speak with the voice of wisdom. Wisdom speaks and says, Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. From the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. My mouth will speak truth. And wickedness is an abomination to me. May our prayer ever be, as the psalmist says in Psalm 17 and verse 5, Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. Lord, don't let me drift. Now if there's something in me that's just human tradition, that's just Steve Klein's think-sos, Lord, not only let me drift, but pull me away from it. But don't let me drift from your truth. Let me see what's happening. that I may stay close to your side. I appreciate your good attention tonight. I don't know how many of us needed this. I just thought I did. And maybe somebody else did too. God's truth is God's truth is a rock. in the middle of a drifting stream. But the rock doesn't move. I want to be on the rock. Jesus said that's what being on the rock is all about. He who hears these sayings of mine and does them is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. If you'd like to build your life on the rock of truth, and commit to that, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.